This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome, Rink Rats, to this Blackhawks Hockey Rinkcast episode 47, brought to you by the Overtime Media Podcast Network, your sport, your team, on your time, and also our founding sponsors at PuckHockey.com. That's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Head over, get yourself some rinkware, use discount code THERINK, that's T-H-E-R-I-N-K, all together. Use that discount code, get 10% off on all of your orders. And uh, get yourself, like I said, get yourself some rink wear. Uh, you know, hockey season is wrapping up, but uh, there's a lot of good metal jerseys and things like that there. So head over there, get yourself some. So today is Wednesday, March 13th, 2019. I am Jeff Osborne, better known across the interwebs as Gatekeeper. My name is Jeff. It's Hefe, man. And I am not joined by my good friend, co-host, and fellow grumpy old guy, Mr. John Jekyll. He's out scouting the NHL to the, maybe he's up in Saskatchewan, Canada or something like that. Um, but he's not with me, so I'm going solo here today. Um, but together with all of the writers over at TheRink.com, we are your most trusted sources at your favorite online hockey hangout, the-rink.com. So the Blackhawks, they are playing right now. You're going to notice uh, the, the the podcast is a little out of uh, time. Um, we actually, I'm recording this after I spoke with Al Maglia, which we will talk to shortly. But um, the Blackhawks are up 4 nothing. They're in the second period on Toronto. So you will hear as we're going along, Al and I, we're describing the first four goals. So I just want to explain ahead of time why things seemed a little bit out of whack with the time. No big deal, though. Uh, Blackhawks are 4 nothing. They're making Toronto look silly. Toronto's not playing any defense. Um, so, the Blackhawks, they are 30-30-9, which is actually 30-39. There are nine games under 500. Uh, 69 nice points. Figure it out. Uh, they won their last three games. Uh, looks like if, if things go... Uh, as they are right now. Uh, you guys will all know this probably by the time this thing drops, but it looks like if they're continuing to go as they are right now, uh, they will have won their last four games. Two of them uh, actually in pretty convincing matter because this, this 4 nothing lead on Toronto is nothing to sneeze at. Uh, the 7-1 uh, win against Arizona, I think they just caught a team uh, on a bad night. Uh, I think if they... Uh, you know, if all things were well on both sides, that would have been a much closer game. Uh, they're seventh in the Blackhawks are seventh in the Central, twenty second overall, six points out of the wild card. Goal differential, uh, which Allison Megley and I will talk a little bit about more later, is negative twenty two. Um, that's just up a little bit um, because these, you know these last couple games, uh, uh, you know that seven one game really swung it back in their favor a little bit. Uh, faceoffs are twentieth in the league. Uh, they're still last in the PK, even though um, they went up just a little bit. They're still uh, behind the next uh, worst team by two full percentage points. Uh, the, the power play uh, actually is come back down to earth, uh, which is another thing I'm going to talk about in a little bit. But the power play has actually gone uh, down to earth a little bit. It's gone down two full slots. It went from 10th to 12th. They're still uh, at a 20.9% uh, clip, 
Goals for, uh, their eighth overall at 232. Uh, goals against, their 30th, only behind the Ottawa Senators, as I keep repeating every time, uh, at 255. And shots uh, uh, against, shots faced per game, per 60, uh, is at 34.8. They went up just slightly, but they're still second worst overall. Uh, Fenwick, Corsi, uh, they're in the bottom third of the league, pretty much. Uh, high danger save percentage. They went up slightly. Uh, they're sixth overall. Their high danger save percentage has been really good this year. The five on five save percentage overall, though, not so good. 26th in the league. I had a 9.13. So uh, that's the numbers as far as the Blackhawks go. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So um, some things happened uh, this week. Uh Earlier in the week, uh, Philip Kurashev was signed to an entry-level deal. Um, he's going to stay where he's at at the Q- QMJHL for right now until at least the season uh, ends. Then you may see him get some time. You may see him get a, an NHL game. I don't know if they're going to actually do that to him, but I would think for certain uh, you're probably going to see him uh, play in Rockford a little bit. Uh, he's uh, you know just an average size. He's not really big. He's six foot, 192 pounds. I guess I shouldn't say he's average size, but he's a little bit bigger than some of these uh, these prospects. Six foot, 180, 180 or 192. Sorry, and uh, <clears throat> he's been just an offensive juggernaut for uh, the Quebec Ramparts. He's uh, an assistant captain on the team uh, right now. He's got uh, let's see. 62 points in 57 games. That's really good. So uh, he's a scorer, a playmaker. Um, I, you know, I don't know what he's going to project out to be if he even makes the NHL. But for right now, the Blackhawks are, you know, kind of wrapping up some of their uh, prospects. And uh, he was a fourth round pick in 2018, uh, 120th overall. So, you know, <clears throat> he may turn out to be something. But uh, for right now, uh, just, you know, don't get your hopes up. He's not... Uh, you know, he could be more than the next Dylan Sakur, which we will talk about later. Um, but also, uh, the Ice Hogs today signed uh, Dylan McLaughlin uh, from Canisius College. Uh, he's a 23-year-old. He was former Hobie Baker finalist. Um, 147 points at 152 games, so he's a point-per-game guy. Led Canisius in points the last three years. Uh, <clears throat> he's a center. About average size, 6'1", 190 range. Um, but uh, I, I guess the black or the uh, the Ice Hogs, you know, needed a center. Uh, they brought him in. So well, I don't I don't know that you're going to necessarily see anything from him with the Blackhawks. But uh, you never know. Uh, you know, stranger things have happened. Uh, you know, the Darren Radish turned turned from a. a an AHL deal to an NHL deal. And uh, that it has happened before, but um, that's a hard road to go. I mean, he's really going to have to, you know, lead the, lead the uh, ice hogs in scoring or something like that to get, to get that. But, you know, congratulations to Dylan McLaughlin and uh, Philip Kurashev for uh, coming to the Blackhawks. Um, that said, um, I'm going to take a quick little break here. And then we're going to come uh, talk to Al Samaglia. And then uh, we'll wrap the show up for the night. Finding the right pros for home projects can be tough and spark a lot of questions like, how do I find a pro who can help? Will they do a good job? Will I get a fair price? That's where HomeAdvisor can help. 
From leaky faucets to major remodels, HomeAdvisor connects you to the right pro for the job in seconds and even helps you get a fair price. Read reviews, check project cost guides, and book appointments. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free HomeAdvisor app to start your next project. So today we have a returning guest to the Ringcast. Um, it's just me tonight, uh, no no JJ, but um, you may have heard this guy on NHL Network Radio uh, is the Blackhawks correspondent. I know he's been on with Boomer all he, he's on with Boomer all the time, um, and he was on one of our previous Ringcasts, and uh, we had a really good uh, response from it. So, uh, Mr. Al Samaglia, from uh, welcome welcome to, back to the uh, program. It's good to be with you, Jeff. Glad to glad to talk again a little Blackhawk hockey. Yeah, things have changed just a little bit. Um, yes. So anyway, um, I kind of read off the stats a little earlier uh, before we got on, but basically, um, they've won their last three games. They're kind of showing a little bit of life again, and now we're getting the you know some some of the media types get get into talking about the playoffs again, which is just not realistic. But um, what have you thought you know lately, maybe in the past week or so? I mean, they they went on that skid uh, on the West Coast trip, and then they came back, and now of course the other night they they won uh, you know really big against Phoenix, and they're about to get rolling uh, right now with Toronto. So anyway, what, what were you thinking about recently? What they've been, uh, what what are some positives and stuff that you've seen? from them well i think they're playing better overall obviously you know um and i tweeted something out in the beginning of february and they have a a very weak schedule you know in february and then even through march there's spots in march where they play some good teams like tonight you know and when i say good teams i mean solid playoff teams um so it was kind of an odd year uh kind of disjointed with everything but the schedule was primed if they were going to play better. You know, the time to do it was February, March, and they did. You know, I think the uh, obviously the power play made a big difference. Uh, you know, and I think you know taking a step back with everything. There, I think there's ten other teams that have a worse uh, goal differential than them right now. And to me, you know, I like to look at the numbers and the stats and stuff. And I was a trader and I like to, you know, look at that stuff. But I I don't digest it like other people do because for a lot of different reasons. And that's another story for another time. But there's no finer correlation between strength of a team uh, than there is goal differential. Now, I think we it's a little bit tainted from the standpoint that – they're 11. They could they could drop off and finish, you know, down four or five more spots. It's pretty close with a lot of teams. But the point of it is, is that they play the bad teams. They play, they play the bad teams pretty good. I mean, they could score, and if they get if they get in front and or stay close enough, they could they could win as as long as they're getting some power play action, and, and that's been that's been true. Um, they could hold their own, obviously, against these against the weaker teams or the bubble playoff teams. But, you know, they're really, I think, they're a bottom 10 team in the NHL. I would, from my perspective, just as a, a fan perspective, I would have rather seen them finish in the bottom five. And I think there's an outside chance that their power play goes cold, um, you know, and the air comes out of the balloon and they hit a little bit of a, of a bad streak, maybe they could get down to the bottom five, which would be ideal and have a chance in, in the in the draft to get, you know, to get one of the top two picks. But 
there's a lot of work to do here. I think some of the stuff is, is camouflaged a bit by the wins. I mean, you know, you're playing eight to seven, seven to six games against bad teams and uh, barely beating them. Uh, but let's face it, there's, you know, first bail of Hall of Flame fame players here. They don't give up. And, uh, and at the end of the day, they shine sometimes and they make a difference. And I think that's what's happened also. Yeah, right. For sure. Um, I completely agree with that. I, I would have, of course, preferred that they, uh, you know, had a little bit of a worse record. If you're going to bottom out, you might as well just bottom out, try to get something good in the draft, replenish your system. And uh, this year seems like a good year for offensive players and they could use some younger offensive players. Well, Debrinket is kind of broken out. Um, you know, they're going to need more and, you know, Strom's broken out. They're going to need more than that, uh, you know, going forward. Uh, Keen's getting older. Tay's getting older. Uh, you know, uh, side's still around, but, um, you know, they're going to need that next generation of maybe, as I've said before, generational type scorer or player, offensive player. So uh, this would be, would have been the perfect year to do it. Um, I don't know. It, at this point in time, I, I think they're going to continue, you know, trading wins and losses, win two or three, lose two or three, win two or three, lose two or three. It kind of seems like what they've been doing. Uh, they, they give you a little bit of uh, a little bit of promise and then they kind of shoot you right back down again and then they come right back. So, uh, but it, we were kind of talking about, you know, work has to be done, things like that. Um, <clears throat> I think I saw you tweet something out recently uh, about Dylan Sakura. He recently had been, uh, you know, moved up. I think he, he was playing top line tonight. He's still playing top line with Taves. They just uh, tweeted out the lines. What do you think about what's going on with Sakura and what's going on? I, I Like I said, I think I remember you mentioning something uh, like maybe last week about him. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I try to I try to look at it objectively. Um, I don't see anything to really fall in love with yet. I mean, I've learned a long time ago that the quickest way to look foolish is to sell a young player short. But in the same regard, you know, he's 23 and uh, he's given he's been given every opportunity. But I mean, the last game that he played in the top line for a while noticeable a little bit and they had to turn over and had some shots. And, uh, I mean, to me, he, he, he looks like a, a smaller guy that, uh, I don't see the sense of keeping him up here. If he's going to play on the third and fourth line. And, and maybe that's the point of it. They're, they're putting him on the top line again to start tonight. How long he stays there? I don't know, but I really don't see much in his game that makes me think that he's going to be, you know, a difference maker, a player, uh, but he's only 23, and uh, I don't know, you know, from the standpoint, I thought maybe they were kind of showcasing him before the deadline, and maybe he would have been a player to throw into a deal, but uh, they didn't do that. I mean, you know, obviously Stan Bowman's got got some master plan in mind. Uh, it'd be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how it unravels, but uh, he didn't put himself in a position really to to benefit with trying to unload some salaries, or at least if he tried, he was unable. And um, they didn't get rid of a player that would have maybe caused them at the end of the year to, to end up with less points. In Los Angeles, they were they were bad, and then they traded their best defenseman. And, uh, right, you know, this right. year, and the Hawks didn't follow that path. So I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see what they do. All I know is this. Kane and Taves are having career years. Tabrinkit's having a, a breakout, breakout year. 
Strom looks like uh, the second coming of animals, and um, and he scores more actually. And it, it's and they are where they are, you know. So yeah. going into next year, I think pragmatically, probably thinking that maybe you don't get the same sort of season out of King and Taves. I would I would hope that would be the thinking. Um, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, thinking pragmatically, that's something that we found out that uh, you know Blackhawks fans don't always do. Uh, but uh, you know, because a month ago you got Blackhawks fans saying that uh, oh, anything can happen. They can get in the playoffs and they can make a run and make it to the cup because they can score a lot of goals. And realistically, uh, that that's just not possible uh, with with the way their defense and their goal goaltending was. Even though it's been better the last two games, uh, you know it. I, the way I like to look at teams is more on a you know 10, 12, 15, 20 game basis, not two or three games in a row. Uh, and, and that's really the way everyone, I think, should look at you know these teams. This team is more what it was at the beginning of the year up until December or whenever than it is you know one week in the middle of January or February or whatever. So it, it, well, I, I think what I found over time is that um, this is the type of team that has a better chance to win in the regular season than they would in the playoffs. Because one-line teams or even two-line teams get exposed. They don't have any – I mean, unless you're going to use Jonathan Caves, they don't have a center that could check the top lines, you know, a, a decent top line. Right. So if, if, you know, if they got into the playoffs and they had to use Caves in that role, well, you know, again, logically – that's going to make it more difficult for him to contribute on the offensive side. And what made the what not made the Hawks, but what was the reality when the Hawks were very good? What would happen is is Quenville always had the matchup advantage. He could he could trade Caves off. Right. You know he could he could put him against the best center, and they neutralize each other. And then you still had second and third lines. And even if he wanted to have the fourth line check the top line. He could get away with that at times, especially at home with matchups and different things like that. The bottom six here is, you know, it's very scattered. Um, and that needs to be bolstered for sure. And it's, I've said it for years and years, and, and it's gotten more popular to realize the last few years, but the best third and fourth lines, those are the teams that win the cup. So, um, and obviously here, there, you know, you you can't count on those those guys to check anybody, and you could see when they play. It's almost like this is video game hockey because there's no pressure on the puck. There's no, I, I shouldn't say there's no. There's not consistent pressure on the puck. There's uh, there's no one really four checks aggressively. No back checking that you could see a lot of nights. It's just up and down when they're going and uh and then if they get a power player or two goals then you know then they might be in decent shape to win but that that style of play in the in, in the playoffs when they call fewer penalties and you're against the same team night after night you know they, the hawks are easy to figure out so they would be exposed in a big way there's seldom seldom do teams with with one or two lines only and, and no and no defensive play to speak of. Seldom do they do good in the playoffs. Now the Hawks, the Hawks are so ironic in so many ways. I see Keith just scored a goal, which is which is a rarity. But <laughs> yeah, 
for a bad for a bad team, even when they were really bad in the beginning of the year, the first half of the year, they scored more goals the first period than they did any other period. And 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 normally bad teams don't do that. Um, that's why they've been such a great overbet. Uh, because they do score first period goals and they do give up more first period goals than they score. So it's kind of an, it's been a really odd year all the way around. Looks like the Leafs defenseman might have helped that puck into the net. But anyway, the Hawks are winning one to nothing. Yeah, it just it just creeped through. I, my my feed is a little bit delayed on yours, but uh, yeah, I saw that happen and uh, it just creeped over. And then a the defenseman, yeah, just knocked it over the line the rest of the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we'll see what happens tonight. But yeah. like I say, at least they're, they've been more interesting. Yeah, yeah. And uh, to circle back on the, the secure thing, the one thing I wanted to bring up too was – oh, that was that was uh, Matthews, Austin Matthews. Sorry. Um, the thing I wanted to circle back on on Sakura was I, I mentioned this the other day. Uh, when I'm watching out there and I see 95 out there, it almost seems like he's always out there in someone else's way. Someone's rushing up the ice and he's skating in his path or he's running into somebody. Um it almost seems sometimes like he's lost out there. I mean, he started off this game pretty well. Uh, he had a nice uh, shot right off the bat, but uh, he just doesn't look like he's ready yet. Um, so I don't, you know, maybe he should be back in Rockford or or whatever. But uh, you know, I think in general, in general, what I see is is that um, I don't know. He's he's a speedy player with his feet, but I the game seems too fast for him. Yeah. You know, he's just he hasn't adjusted yet to the speed of this to the speed of play here. And sometimes a skillful guy won't be as good in Rockford as you would think, even though he's got the physical attributes because the way the game is played down there. And when they come up here they kinda catch fire a bit and they show their stuff. But that hasn't happened with him either. So I don't know. I you know, I don't know what they're what they see in him. Um I, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a it's a head scratcher to me, but yeah. I mean, we'll we'll probably find out maybe in the summer, but right yeah. now they're giving him every chance to succeed. Yeah, I think they need to bulk him up a little bit too, because he is a small guy. He's a little skinny guy. Yeah, he's not he's that a, short. He's listed skinny. him at 165 pounds or something, but I I don't know. It it's really is amazing sometimes when you see these guys when they're downstairs, like your dad would walk walk through the hallway there, and they don't have pads on. Yeah. You know, a guy like Andrew Shaw, you know, Dave Bolin. Yep. I, I mean, you know, small, really small guys, you know, small frames. Yeah. Even Duncan Keith. I mean, I, the first time I saw Duncan Keith, I mean, he looked like he looked like a sophomore high school wrestler. Yeah. I mean, his it, it was just, it was amazing. I mean, he's bulked up quite a bit since since then though but still i mean you know like his ankles and everything i mean he, he wasn't he was just kind of built like an, an agile athlete not you know not someone that you would consider to be a, a real sturdy guy a thick guy at right all. yeah so and that's a lot of times with hockey players you know the, the pads uh, make them look a lot bigger and when you're standing on skates a lot of them aren't but uh sakura i agree you know he's gonna have to 
he's going to have to bolt up because he, he's not good enough to avoid the hits either. So, yeah. you know, he's got to watch what he's doing. Yeah, that's something I totally noticed too with, uh, you know, just seeing like the pro-level hockey players. You know, I've seen many hockey players in my life, but pro-level hockey players and even goalies and stuff like that. Like I try to compare them. Like I'm a short dude, but I weigh, you know, when, I, when I'm healthy, I'm, you know, in the 205, 210 range. And I look at some of these guys and it's like, oh, they're, you know, 170 pounds. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, well, that's quite a few of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a guy like Brian Campbell, I mean, he looks like, I don't know if he wears a 40 or a 42 suit, but he's, you know, he's not as big as he looks with those shoulder pads on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I actually, I was at a luncheon with him last, uh, I was at a luncheon with Brian Campbell last summer, I believe, or last, I don't know fall and uh i was standing next to him and i'm like oh my god this guy's tiny compared to me <laughs> and i you know yeah. i'm not a huge guy but yeah he's just tiny anyway yeah it, 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 i mean it takes a lot of it takes a lot of courage to play the game you know and and uh and the, and the guys that are playing are not the biggest guys either yeah so. uh and the other thing i want to mention too you brought up dylan strom um to me, and, and I'm not saying he's like the same type of player, but it feels to me like when the Blackhawks had Bernie Nichols as a second line center, uh, they had that that solid second line center that you know was. I'm. I, this is the first time in a long time since like the Brad Richards, and and I don't even know if we could say he was necessarily uh, a solid second line center as much as he just filled a hole. But uh, you know the Blackhawks have not hit not had a lot of success with second line centers, so I'm really encouraged with what I see with Dylan Strom. I really like this guy. Um, he's big. He's you know he. he he looks like he can use his body. He's not, he doesn't go to the physical areas all the time, but he's not afraid to kind of rumble through that crease every once in a while. And, and that's something the Blackhawks miss a lot without, you know, if you look other than, you know, like Brandon Saad or Jonathan Taze sometime, other than that, you don't see that a whole lot. So that's why I really like uh, Dylan Strom. I, I liked the trade when they made it, but I liked it because I thought there was a chance that Strom could be good. And I was kind of thought that the carrot was Perlini. Um, but, you know, not watching either guy extensively. But Strom, to me, didn't take me long to see. I mean, he does, a, he's a hockey player's hockey player. He does a lot of good things with the puck. Mm-hmm. He's got good vision, he makes the right decisions. He's one of the main reasons the power play has gotten going because he's an option and also he could screen the goalie. Um, I think that I think you know that probably is going to be the best trade Stan Bowman ever made. I think, or if not, it's going to be in the team photo, uh, especially if Perlini turns out to be a player. Uh, if that happens, I mean, I think this Strowman DeBrinket, DeBrinket, he's got lessons to learn, but. He's got some hands and, and the same thing vision, and he's a goal scorer's goal scorer. I mean, he's the type of guy that finds the open ice, the soft areas, mm-hmm. and he always seems to be open. And if he's not real open, he could get rid of the puck quickly, and his accuracy is unbelievable. I mean, I think he's shooting it like 19%. So, I mean, I think – I don't think he's a fluke. And I think playing with Strom helps him a lot. Now, if they could, if Perlini turns out to be the real deal, that would be a nice line for years to come. Yeah. Those guys are all young men. Yeah. So, you know, that's a carrot. That's that's something that's something that uh, 
you know, definitely to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, this, this trade, uh, I was going to say something about it last, uh, on Twitter about it. Like this could almost be a fireable offense <laughs> for Cheka If this really turns out in the Blackhawks favor, the way it looks like it might, it may, because this could be like the second coming of the, you know, Patrick Sharp trade for Matt Ellison. If if this works out, is is it looks like it may? Um, it it seems like there's so many levels of that trade that uh, for Stan Bowman with you know bringing a guy in that that you know Debrinket's familiar with and you know former first round pick and uh, you know big center that could go you know go to those dirty areas with Debrinket and uh, you know then getting another another first round draft pick and I'm glad you brought up Perlini because that was going to be my next where I was going next with this was the Brendan Perlini thing he's got. Six Six goals in his last five games. He had a hat trick last game. This guy looks like he may finally be figuring it out. And I'm glad to see that because at first I was a little disappointed the way, you know, when he showed up at the Blackhawks. And, and I even heard on the broadcast the other day that maybe Perlini showed up a little out of shape, which could, you know, explain several things. But, um, you know, he looks like, you know, a big, you know, a bigger forward. I mean, we just, talked about you know big big now isn't necessarily as big as you might have thought in the previous days but he's a bigger forward he goes to the hard areas he, he you know he's got a couple breakaways so he's got a lot of speed seems like he's got a lot of tools that could you know lend itself really well to the Blackhawks I don't know where he's going to necessarily fit in he may fit in as that second line guy but uh, you know he may end up being a third line guy but uh, he looks like he could be at least a serviceable player for the Blackhawks for the future and f- for a while uh, you know, it, when he first came around, I'm like, I don't know, you know, he's going to be an RFA this summer. Maybe, maybe they won't qualify him like they did. You know, they did, did, didn't with, uh, you know, Anthony Duclair, but he's turned it around. He's really turned it around. He's, he's, you know, complete 180 from what he was when he started here. He's playing confident. Uh, I, I like what I see and I'm not going to say he's going to, you know, end up a hockey hall of famer, but I think he could be a very serviceable middle six player for the, for the Blackhawks. And, uh, you got any more on, on Perlini? Well, I, I will say this: he, he's a very good skater, and and he's got a very good shot. And it's a heavy shot, and he's got a quick release. And if they, if somehow, you know, I don't know, Nick Smalls in the right system, he's going to score. But the thing about it is, is what I didn't like his decision making and the fact. I don't think he makes anyone else better, so to speak. You know, um, he's kind of a redeemed Vermada guy. You know, he may, in the right system, he may score, he may get some goals on the power play, but I think Strong is the better all-around player by far. And if Perlini gets to be someone who could be a second, third-line player and play consistently well, yeah, it's a big advantage for the Blackhawks, no doubt. Uh, I did hear from someone who who's in the know from a Western Conference team that the Hawks were trying to, you know, they were trying to trade him at the deadline. Now, I don't know. I mean, and I can understand why, because he didn't really show much. And I think maybe the thing with Perlini, I guess, kind of what's coming out, too, is he's a little bit of a different guy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, whether he could bring it every night, we'll have to see. But if he can, I mean, the amount of money though he signed for, and the same thing with with Strom and DeBrincat at least for a little bit, that gives him an advantage, and they would be a legit second line, I would think. Um, and then, you know, then they could go and look and try to get a third line player that could score some goals and also could check. Uh, 
and that would make a big difference. Because maybe Camp would be a guy that you could use on the fourth line. He's he's a pretty heady player, but yeah. he's Marcus Kruger, you know, from the standpoint of he's not going to score much, and uh, but he's, he knows how to play the game, and he's kind of responsible. I think the thing that stands out with the Hawks, and, you know, Quenville used to call it reliable, know what you're getting. Well, those are guys that know how to play. They don't have, and, and they have holes in their lineups with guys who are liabilities. Like a guy like Cahoon, he comes here and he kind of shows well. And because he's not a young guy, he knows how to play the game and he, and he could fit in. But you need, you know, cohesiveness all throughout the lineup. And that's what they lack. And that's why they are where they are because they make too many of the same mistakes. And, um, you just can't you can't outscore teams every night. So there's there's wood to chop here. You know, I, I think you know I have my ideas on what they need, and it's not going to be easy. But they need a few. There's a few pieces missing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, when I looked at Schmaltz, he basically, to me, looked like the center version of Eric Gustafson. <laughs> you get some good things out of him, but uh, there you get a lot of bad things out of him, too. And he's very polarizing in that respect. Uh, so, but anyway, yeah, you, you brought up a good point. Um, there's some things they may need to do this summer. Uh, they may need to look at, you know, uh, trades, free agency, things like that. Um, what are some ideas for this summer? Uh, that Stan Bowman can go out and, and I think he can actually use his money well on, you know, lower priced players to fill out that bottom six and really make a difference. Uh, if he does it, you know, if he pulls it off properly, um, there's a lot of potential there. Uh, a guy I liked and John really likes too is Ryan Dezingle, but I don't know what's going to happen with that. Um, what do you got? You got any ideas, uh, this summer, what where, where they should look, or or maybe you've heard of guys that they that they may be uh, targeting. Well, I think the single's a guy that they're going to look at. I think he fits in, and he can maybe even be a second line guy. So you know, second, third line, and I think they're going to look at him. Um, you know, the lot's been made about how Stan Bowman's got a pocket full of cash. Well, it's you know, it, it's like going to a party being all dressed up and you have nowhere to go. Uh, there's when you look at the likelihood of, of, of some of these guys signing here, plus there's some red flags out there. I mean, it would be nice to think, here's what I feel they need. They need two defensemen that are better than anyone they have on the roster now. Agreed. And one of them, and one of them has to be a top pairing defenseman. So now you look at that and there are people who said, well, Eric Carlson, I wouldn't take Eric Carlson on a bet. I mean, he's a great player, and at one point you could you can make an argument that he might have been the best player in the game. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but with that ankle injury that he had, and you know, I read an article with him talking about, it and it's like half of his ankle or part of his ankle's gone. Now he's getting close; he's getting to the point where some injuries could start to creep in, and that's happened too. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be expensive. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And I think if the Sharks don't re-sign him, that's a big red flag. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't go $9 million or something on Eric Carlson. The the one guy that kind of fits the profile, big, can move the puck, maybe not the best defensive defenseman, but young enough that could get better and and be affordable affordable by like maybe like $6, 7000000 
probably closer to seven, would be Jake Gardner. Now, mm-hmm. the caveat there is he's been injured. He's got a bad back. So, you know, that's another another kind of question mark. And then, you know, you, you, you go down you go down the list of, of who's available and who's who makes sense. Uh, you know, Kevin Hayes is a third line setter that could play both sides of the puck somewhat, but is he gonna come back here? I doubt I that. Doubt it. Yeah. Uh you know what I mean? So then that that takes you to a guy who's you know, maybe wants last one last tug at the at the brass uh ring. Uh, and maybe the Sharks and a lot of teams are going to be at a point where they can't afford some of these guys because they got to pick and choose now. And the Sharks could be in that situation too. If they try to sign Carlson, I don't think they could sign Pavelski right. unless he gives him a big discount. Now, Pavelski's 34 years old, and he's coming off a big year, and it's the year before he's a UFA. So that's a caveat there. Yeah. But even if he regresses some point – if you could, if you want to take a swing at someone for the next three years and get some decent hockey out of him and not have to sign him for maybe more than four years, um, he would be interesting because if he played, if he could play center and play third line center here, then that changes the dynamic of things because he knows how to play and he could score. Right. So, you know, but to have that happen, someone's got to go. Yeah. And and I don't know the value of Anisimov on the trade market now. I think, you know, basically that's got to be a salary that you more or less just try to jettison that basically helps you afford someone else. Brandon Saad, I think they would like to trade him. And he doesn't have any kind of uh, contract uh Restrictions that would that would you know cause them an issue. I think Perlini just scored. Yep, I just and, saw uh, that. We just got to talking about him. Go ahead. Yeah, though. In, in a, a very stoppable goal looked like, but he 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 let that thing go from the slot, and he's got he's got a shot. Yeah. He's got a shot, and it was a wrist shot. That yeah. was a dart. But um, so I I think those are a couple of things, and then you have to find the other players whether it's signing them or via some sort of a trade, which is maybe, you know, what could happen with, you know, like someone like Assad or an Anisimov, you're, you're, you're trying to get players two, $3 million players rather than replacing a 6 million and 5 million with a 5 million and a 6 million. So, but I think, I think that's what needs to happen. And then I think they also need to find someone who is a solid number, number two or number three, um, I mean, Strawman has has had a questionable year, and he's getting older. But then that's another team. Um, I don't. Tampa Bay can't sign everyone. Yeah. Uh, Toronto can't sign everyone. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of teams that are in that <clears throat> that situation that the Blackhawks were in for years. You know, uh, this kid Anders Lee. Mm-hmm. He's twenty, you know. He's twenty-eight years old. He's a left wing. Uh, he's an interesting player, but I got a feeling that the Islanders—they're going to pay him, and they're going to pay him what they need to because they—they—he's kind of a glue guy. Mm-hmm. Um, when Tavares left, they—they they voted him. They voted him as, as you know the captain right away. The players, mm-hmm. and 
I don't think the Islanders want to lose two captains in consecutive summers. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking the chances are he's not going to be available. So when you start to go and parse through the list of people that are available at these UFAs, there's not, you know, there's not a long shopping list of people to, to, to uh, of players for, for a moment to really look at. So Wayne Simmons is an interesting guy. He plays left wing. He's 30 years old. You know, be interesting if, if Taves had a guy like that on his wing. Maybe he'd get some more space. Maybe that creates something. So, I mean, Bowman has to be – he has to not make any mistakes. Yeah. You know, uh, if, if they're going to make a serious, you know, cup contender here in the next couple of years, and then, you know, however many defensemen, you know, what you read is they've got, you know, a whole bucket full coming, but I take that with a with not a grain of salt, a pound of salt. Yeah. Because it takes a while to be NHL defenseman and and I think that um they got the kid up here this year for a while who, you know, deserved what he what he got and he's he's probably gonna make the team next year, but I don't know if they'll get any other help from any of the other uh younger guys. Yeah. So you know, it's it's like I say, it's 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 been a head scratcher year all the way around. There are a handful of, of free agents, a small handful that could help him. None of them will come real cheap. And he needs more than just a couple of players here. He needs to find he needs to find guys that know how to play and that could to bolster the bottom six also. Yeah, if you're gonna depend on, you know, guys from Rockford or, you know, rookies to to fill that bottom six, uh maybe one <laughs> Maybe two tops, but uh, you need more than that. And, uh, you know, there's. Uh, you might have found one in this kid, Kajula. Kajula. Yeah. Um, I like him. The only, thing I, the only thing I don't like about him, and, and I, I talked to someone when they got him in a trade that knows him pretty well. Mm-hmm. And he said it was, it was a situation of the kid was having a pretty good year, and then Hitchcock took over. And Hitchcock is Hitchcock, and he's a. Real smart hockey guy, but if he doesn't like you, you know, uh, he could this kid couldn't do anything right. So that might have been, you know, that might have been another berry that that Bowman plucked because, it, well, I mean, Manning got scratched today in a minor league game. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, yeah, so I mean, that's another trade that you have to, you know, tip the chips in front of uh, slide them in front of Bowman. Yeah, and it, maybe that kid's a, a bottom six guy. You know, maybe he's a fourth line player here. He's uh, the only thing I don't like about him is he seems to get hit, uh, and I don't know if it's just bad luck or what. You know, he's in, he's got his nose and everything, and he's very aggressive, and he's not so small. But I've seen him, you know, get sticks in the face, and then now he's got this concussion issue. So, mm-hmm. hoping the best for him. Yeah, yeah. Another guy that I that, that I really like to see Stan Bowman go after if he makes it to the market is uh, Michael Furland. Uh, mm. He seems like a tough that's player. An interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that, that's going to be an interesting one. Um, kind of a debate of what they're going to do. Uh, I think. I think you know some of these teams. Some of these teams are going to be dependent, of, not dependent, but I think some of these teams are looking at. Um, their summer is not etched in stone yet because it kind of depends where they finish and there's still, you know, quite a bit to be decided. And, uh, cause some of these teams, they, they need, they need to make the playoffs, you know, and they make the playoffs and, and win around, you know, for a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, I said people talking about, 
you know, everybody wants to kind of take a dump on Tortorella. I, I mean, I like him and he's a, he's a good coach, but I don't think people really realize how difficult it is to coach a team that has had very little, if any playoff success, you know, it's, it's a whole different thing. It's not something that you could give someone a book and have them, you know, and, and have them read about the experience and, and, and let them absorb it. It's things you have to experience that. Now they've got this kid Ajo in Carolina. That's he's really good. You know? Yeah. Yeah. He looks, he looks really good and he looks like the real thing. And, you know, Berlin is one of those players that, you know, he'd be a nice maybe third-line player for someone, too, uh, maybe even second, but third-line would be fine, too. But uh, he's an interesting guy. But they're another team, too. You know, they need they need some playoff success. They're, they remind me a little bit. They're like the weak sister of, of Columbus. They don't have the names the names there that attract a lot of attention, but they have, they have some young players that are in place that uh, – would help them, but they're going to be, I wouldn't be surprised if they weren't active this summer trying to make themselves a little bit better. So it's going to be an interesting summer between the teams that are going to have to uh, make some moves because they can't afford some players and, and the other teams that are going to be aggressive, I think, because they need to push themselves up a notch or two. Right. Yeah. And that uh, I'm glad you, these are all a lot of things that we've echoed on, on the website and on the podcast is John and I have both said that, you know, this Artemi Panarin pipe dream is, is, is just a pipe dream. Like they need to, they need to spend their money wisely, fill holes and be smart about it. Not go out there and go for the big bang on a guy who's going to then, you know, knock Alex to break it's, uh, you know, ice time down on the power play and stuff like that, where he's effective. Just, Develop to bring it in, in into what he's going to be. Three to nothing. Oh, really? Cahoon just scored. Yeah, I, yeah. I got to chuckle with this stuff though. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, now it's to the point that I wish they would win like the next ten games in a row. <laughs> because, because, you know, to just like finish like to finish four points out of the playoffs, it, it, all that did was drop you down in the draft order. I mean, you may as well, you know, get there then. You know, yeah. at least at least even if you lose four straight in the first round, if that's it, it's an experience for some of these players. So you have to see what happens. I mean, I think we've got like a five percent chance of making the playoffs. So, you know, it's, I'm not getting excited about the opportunity yet, but it's uh, like I say, it's kind of it's a disjointed year all the way around. I think, Jeff, to your point, I kind of went off on a few no, there because I'm watching the game, too. I'm sorry, but no, 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 um, all good. The, I, I think to your point. You know, you gotta. It might be time just to let the Fenerin thing go. Okay, they, yeah. the trade didn't work the way they thought it was going to work. He went. They didn't think they were going to be able to afford him, and then to go back out and get him at nine or ten million dollars a year, which is what you, you know, didn't want to do in the first place. Which is what they set them. They set themselves up because they thought that was going to happen. Right, or it right. could happen. Right. You know, I saw an NHL.com an article that says that he wants to go to a team with a large Russian population. Well, <laughs> the only NHL team in the United States, I think, with a large Russian population, I think that's the Rangers. Yeah, and you know, so and they've been and, and the Rangers have baskets full of money to spend this summer. Right. So I, I think you know that could make sense. And then there's always Dale Talon, and, and they've got some they've got some Russians there in the mix. But I don't know, you know. So they'll have money to spend the too. 
Yeah, well, and, well the chances the, the chances of uh, of him even wanting to come back, you know, that that would be the only driver is that he really says, yeah, I want to go back and play with Kane or whatever. Otherwise, I think there's other spots for him. The Florida team's an interesting one, you know. Everyone, you know, so that, and, and in some ways, correct that Talon was the architect of the Hawks' success and things like that, and, and I agreed with that to a point. But it was also because Bill Wirtz was able to swallow, you know, twenty, twenty-five million, thirty million dollars for a few years there, yeah, to get bad enough so that they could draft, and then they drafted well, and a bunch of guys got really good at the same time. I think Florida now on the roster's got got players that are that's a four spot on the Leafs. I, I got the volume down, but they got to be booing. Uh, oh, yeah. Nothing. At it, home, it, too. It, yeah. It, if uh, I think that, I think that, uh, you know, for, I, I lost my my train of thought there, but I think <laughs> to, to, uh, to get Panarin, I, I think it's probably a long shot period. And then Florida is a team that they would probably love to have them. They've got like four, High draft picks, you know, I mean, like one, two, three, four draft picks or two, three, four, five, something like that on the roster already. And they haven't been able to to kind of put it all together. So it, it takes more than just drafting, you know, and yeah. drafting guys in, you know, in the top five. Yeah. I mean, you have to put everything together. So I, I don't know which direction they're going to go and how aggressive they would be. But, I mean, there's Russian guys on that team. So I don't know if that makes a difference to Panera. It may very well. It may very well. And then again, maybe not. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, we, let's wrap up. Let's just get into a little bit of the questions and then I'll let you go for the night. Um, okay. First one was one that was, we kind of little talked about this a little bit, but you can, you can pontificate on this one. Uh, Derek Ciavala sent it in and we missed it last week. He says, your opinion on DeBrinket, he does excellent job of scoring, no doubt, but his ill-advised passing in the defensive zone and neutral zone caused a lot of issues. Plus the current power play, he is consistently giving the puck away. Curious if you guys have noticed that. Um, I'm actually, you know, I've come around on DeBrinket. I was hard on him early. John was too, that like, you know, this guy's a small guy. He didn't show well in prospect camp. Uh, you know, he, he didn't look well at the pro level and, um, he even started off slow his rookie year and then he finally put things together And this year. He's just, you know, I, I can't, I can't poke holes in him right now. I mean, he's got like what? 37 goals his second year in the NHL. Like he's. He's good. You, you got anything about the DeBrinket you want to say? You know, the last few games, I haven't watched them all on TV. I've listened on the radio, a lot of them. And so, you know, then again, I, I don't want to be committed. I don't know if he's talking about something that's happened recently. But I think he's not the best defensive player, but he's a young kid. I think you got to take that, you know, you got to take that in stride. Because when you have someone that has the elite ability that he has, you just just hope he doesn't get a bad injury because he does things that a lot of players can't do, can't be taught. He has a nose for the puck, and like I say, he finds it, and for the most part, for the most part, he's avoided getting squared up. And that's going to be a challenge, too, because he's going to be more and more of a target. But he's got a little bit of keen in him in that regard where he's got a good feel and uh, he, he gets himself out of trouble. But he just always seems to the puck seems to find him, and uh, and he makes no mistake with it. So I would just be more happy than not that that he's here. And uh, when you see 
you know, when you see a giveaway or something, you know, try to just take it a little bit in stride. I also think that, you know, this power play now, they were, they were going at 40% and, you know, that's crazy numbers. And I think, you know, they've, they've become a little bit stale with what they're doing. Um, you know, it might be time to kind of split guys up and, and, and maybe, uh, I was talking to someone the other day who said the same thing. Why not, why not put them on? It's Chris Block. Why not? I think he tweeted out, why not put him on the second power play unit with Strom and try that out? Mm-hmm. Um, Gustafson with the power play, he he's he's good at it in a lot of ways, but he's a little too predictable sometimes. So maybe that would help too if he has some different faces on, on yeah. the power play. Right. Uh, also, Derek sent in last week, what forwards do you think the Hawks should target? We talked about that because lack of depth. Da, 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 da. Um, and then Chuck Bessler also brought up the Perlini thing, but we kind of talked about him too. So um, that pretty much nails it for the questions because Facebook was down today, so we can get questions from there. Um, you mentioned the Brandon Manning thing, so I, th- I think we're good. I think uh, we can let you go for the night, Al. Uh, that's Al Samaglia on Twitter. It, uh, C-I-M-A... Wait <laughs> Sorry, Al. Well, you got half of it right. C I M A G L I A. Right, I, and you can also hear him on NHL Radio with Boomer a lot. Uh, Al, thanks a lot for coming on with us again. Uh, we really appreciate you and uh, and all the good things you have to say. So, uh, take care. All right. Thanks. Good night. Thanks, Al, for joining us. Uh, it's always good to have him on, and everyone has such good things to say uh, when Al's on and talks Blackhawks with us. So. Uh, We'll have him on again, I'm sure. So, um, Blackhawks are now up 5-0. Uh, I don't know what's going on in Toronto. But uh, <clears throat> they are playing the Eric Gustafson style of defense, apparently. So, uh, wrapping up, um, just a couple things I want to go over. Um, our boy, Patrick Judge, big Blackhawks fan, uh, got the double album out, uh, came out on March 1st. One's War, One's Peace, both great albums. I've been tweeting all kinds of information about it. Go out and buy them. Support metal, support good music, and support Blackhawks fans, most of all. So uh, head out for that. Check that out. Um, If anyone is a snake person, I will be at the uh, Reptile Festival this weekend, NARBC in Tinley Park Convention Center. Stop by the Psychotic Exotics booth. Say hi. you know, I'm the bald guy with the beard. Can't miss me. Um, let's see. Uh, you can find all of our comprehensive content at www.thedashrink.com. Uh, you can find us on all the popular social media at the rink official on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. If you know Facebook and Instagram, we're down today, uh, which limited our questions, but that's all right. Uh, at the rink cast on Twitter. Uh, I am at puck and hostel. John is at Jekyll, J A E C K E L. If you get a chance, head over to iTunes, rate and review us. That will help us climb up the charts. We'll get us more listenership. Uh, it helps us out a lot, and we really appreciate when you say good things or any things about us at all. Uh, share with your friends if you can. Uh, have Make sure that they uh, subscribe to the podcast and uh, listen in. One thing I don't want to forget, listen in next week. We have a surprise guest. I am not releasing the name until it actually comes out. 
But let me just say, you guys are going to not expect this one. You didn't see this one coming. This is going to be a good one. And I'm really looking forward to it. I know John is too, but make sure you're you're paying attention for next week. I think it's Wednesday or Thursday, possibly, that it's going to be dropping. I will be asking for questions. So make sure you get your questions in. This is going to be a good one. It's going to be worth listening to. I think everyone's going to enjoy it. It's going to be a little bit of fun, a little bit of hockey, a little bit, a little bit of everything. So, uh, but I just want to make sure I got that in there. Uh, listen next week as well. Uh, thank you for listening to this one, of course. But uh, yeah. Uh, uh, one other plug I want. Uh, I want to plug my boy uh, Chris over at uh, Five Star Window Tinting uh, in a New Lenox. Um, you can find them on the interwebs. You can find them on Facebook. Uh, they do a great job of tinting window, not only windows, but lights and uh, blackouts and all that other kind of stuff. So uh, I'm going to have my truck pimped up. So my boy Chris over there, uh, five-star window tinting uh, in New Lenox. You need to get uh, any any service done with your windows. Head over there. Check them out. They got all kinds of cool stuff. So, uh, uh, but I think that's pretty much it for tonight. Uh, we'll let you guys go a little early. Thanks for joining us. Um, thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedules to download us and support us. Until next episode, see you on the rink. 